However you want to make a splash this year, Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds can help every step of the way. Wool Runner Mizzles are shoes crafted with premium supernatural weather-repellent materials. The high-top uppers are moisture-wicking merino wool with puddle guard technology, and the supernatural rubber treads ensure all-weather traction, so you can jump into anything, rain or shine. Make a splash with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this week in racing. Joining me in the studio, I have Seth Eggert, Richard Uden, Louise Torres. Fellas, how we doing? Doing good. Good, thank you. Legs feel great. <laughs> feel great, yeah. So, a lot of, lot of news going on this week. Um, you know, I just like, like the hits keep on coming. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's start with the IndyCar series and, and <laughs> a little bit of the timeline that's, uh, uh, that's occurred over the last two weeks. Uh, but we started out with our re- realization that the West Coast races are, are going to be canceled. Uh, that being, uh, Laguna Sega and Portland, um, to, uh, account for that, still keep a 14 race schedule. Made the announcement that both Mid-Ohio and the Harvest Grand Prix would both be doubleheaders. The Harvest Grand Prix being held at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway in October. Um, four days later, Mid-Ohio was postponed to a date as, as yet to be announced. Mid-Ohio would be would have been this coming weekend, but uh, no, uh, that's not going to happen as, uh, you know, COVID cases continue to spike in Ohio. Um, and then speaking of COVID cases, cases beginning to spike, uh, Indiana having some very similar things going on, uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, having a, a on-again, off-again dialogue with Indiana University Health, IU Health, highly recommended that the Speedway run the race without fans. Uh, the Speedway released a statement that, that kind of said, oh, more or less, Mind your own business is, is what the gist of it was. Uh, they had put together the plan to um, to run the race with fans. The, you know, 90 pages of, of documents that were sent to IU Health and the and the governor and all of, all the local health departments and whatnot. Uh, everything should have been a go. Fans began receiving their um, reissued tickets. Um, interestingly enough, Simon Pagano featured uh, on the ticket a second time with a different. Um, picture on the ticket, which I thought it was kind of funny because, uh, you know, Simon had his helmet on in the, the second ticket, which I was kind of wondering, is that a, 
gentle reminder that face coverings will be required for the 500 this year. Um, and then, of course, the other shoe dropped uh, yesterday uh, that the um, the Indianapolis 500 will indeed run without fans. Um, with deep regret, the Speedway announces we have to make this decision, blah, 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 which has prompted a myriad of responses uh, from a lot of folks. So, uh, Louise, I'll start with you. I know you were really looking forward to going to the 500 this year, and I know I was, you know, I can tell you uh, <laughs> my roller coaster of emotion. But let's let's start with you. How are you how are you feeling with this? You, you believe this is the right call, or or could well, something else off, have been arranged? Well, first off, not just the 500, the West Coast period. Being from the West Coast, Portland and Laguna are easy for me. Even Long Beach, when it was back in the before the pandemic even was a thing, I was planning to do all those West Coast races again, which, honestly, this cancel. Uh-oh. With this cancellation, the mic's going on and off. With this cancellation of crowds going to Indianapolis, running it with no fans, it's an absolute shame. It really is very frustrating, to say the least, because we, we had wonder, we had hope that this could be the largest sports gathering of the year since everything has gone down this year but now without it it might be the wisest decision but for the traditionalists the purists the ones who have been there for many many years decades upon decades this is a sad tale for those guys businesses are going to suffer especially those local restaurants that thrive on having folks come down to their joints have food have a good time and they may make it out to the next year with great revenue now they're going to be impacted and it's very disappointing to see that for sure. And as far as the West Coast is concerned, the last time any form of American open-wheel racing, whether it's AAA, USAC, CARD, Champ Car, IRL, IndyCar Series, last time we, they have not made the trip out West like 1946. State of California, 1947. It's an absolute shame, the dark period in my book for IndyCar, because now the question is, could we be seeing Gateway as the final race of the championship trail? Who knows? Who knows? And then, and then of course, then there was a somebody had floated a rumor. Somebody named Oh Jennifer from the AP that yeah. that Gateway was was also going to run without fans, but uh, uh, it was quickly um, refuted by by folks at Gateway. They're like yeah. absolutely not true, fake news. So, uh, but that's a developing story. But let's let's talk about the 500, you know, and the, the myriad of, of different reactions that folks are having. Uh, uh, some folks are are they're fine with it. They say, okay, this is the best thing to do. Uh, Penske's in a hard, you know, hard situation. Another reaction is um, this is all at the hands of IU. Um, and there, I had read a little undercurrent that IU had actually threatened to withhold medical services, ambulance, and the medevac copter uh, to the track had if they were going to run with fans. Somehow I can't see somebody in the medical profession, you know, with the Hippocratic Oath and all that, actually doing that, you know, although they, they, they could have sourced uh, those services elsewhere. I really can't see them doing that, but, but I feel like IU's I recommendations were a strong, strong part of, um, of the decision, yeah, and I think IU was putting that pressure on 
not only um, Roger Penske and the Speedway, but but also the uh, the mayor and the health officials and whatnot. So there's that. And then there's an undercurrent of fans who say we should just cancel the thing. A 500 without fans is not a 500. And and to that I say, you know, there's still for for these smaller teams. There's still that sponsor exposure because it's we're still live television on, on network television, NBC. We, we should realistically have a larger TV audience than ever, seeing as how all the folks that uh, that would have been at the race will have their TVs tuned in. Yeah, we're going to um, have to hope that the ratings hit double digits. Yeah, I don't and, know and, how and, it's going to happen, but they have to hit double digits because if they don't, then – Sponsorships could be in a lot of huge dire straits going into 2020. Right, and and not not then not to mention, you know, while it's some folks say it's a paltry purse, you know, compared to some some other sports, the Indy 500 does have the largest purse out there, and a lot of these smaller teams, well, they count on that to to keep their season going through the year. So I don't think that just out and out canceling the race is an option, and then the other thought was, well, why don't we just move it to October? We said the, the fallback date was October. Well, Penske addressed that. And that really comes down to television. They said, they said, you know, NBC did not have a five-hour block of television on a Sunday for them in October. Um, well, yeah, with NFL, the race. Yeah, depending with, on their statuses, of course. It, it, yeah, depending on the – I mean, everything in the world is up in the air. But, but uh, disappointing, certainly. I mean, my the last Indy 500 I was not at – was 2002. Um, so uh, again, I was, mm. I was nearly in tears yesterday. Okay, no, I was in tears yesterday. I was um, uh, outraged, outraged, and because because I felt like they dangled that carrot for us, you know. And a lot of other folks feel that same way because we received those reissued tickets literally two days before they they pulled the plug on. I had just gotten the reissued ticket. So, um, Seth, Richard, you care to chime in on this? Uh, or, COVID-19 year of, of empty stadiums and racetracks and, and misery. All I can say is I'm glad Lewis Hamilton didn't try and go crowd surfing on uh, Sunday at Silverstone because he'd have really hurt himself. <laughs> but there were nobody there, though. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the joke, Louise. You just got whooshed. Yeah. Just I know. Just jumped off the pit wall and, uh, yeah, catch me. Oh. But remember, at, least, uh, at least we do have racing. That's At least what, we have race Seth, you're absolutely I, right. That's why I keep coming back to. I mean, l- let's look at, for example, crazy. I know we're a racing podcast, but real quick, at what's going on in Major League Baseball, how their season is in jeopardy, what, maybe a week into the season because of decisions that some people made. Meanwhile, in NASCAR, we've had, I think, uh four cases, uh, three crew members and Jimmy Johnson and Brendan gone. So actually that'd be five in F1. Right, Jimmy, I believe it, we've had what Jimmy recovered rather quickly. I mean, it didn't, it didn't seem he, like, like two weeks. So, well, the thing is, uh, his wife also tested positive. So they're not sure if he tested positive because he had antibodies or if he had gotten to the point where it was uh yeah you don't know how dead virus yeah 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 yeah. we're not medical professionals but But, yeah and i i have and there is such thing as the uh 
the false positive. I know there's a big flap uh, in the NBA, or I'm sorry, the NFL, NFL right now with a quarterback who had a, a false positive. Yeah. And then um, you have so. Sergio Paris with Formula One testing with SARS-2 Corona. Right, right. So um, speaking of Jimmy Johnson, though, while we're on that subject, before we turn our attention to NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson did finally get in his IndyCar test, running a couple yeah. hours in Felix Rosenqvist's car uh, at the Speedway. I thought he ran, a, ran more than a couple of hours, didn't he, from what I heard? He was, uh, uh, half the day, day, I guess, right? So um, It was pretty much all, all day, and it was kind of a topsy-turvy, as you would expect, kind of going through the learning curves. He went off a couple times. But fortunately, if there's any positive out of the IndyCar side, I think it's definitely that one because it's been a long time coming for sure. Because remember, before everything happened, it was supposed to be a McLaren test ride at Barber. Then it was supposed to be after the Brickyard 400, and now we're down to here. And fortunately, that's happened, and I think it's brought more sparkling interest of whether or not we'll see Johnson in an IndyCar road course as early as next season. Right, and by Johnson's own account... Uh, he said, I believe his exact words were, sign me up for more. Uh, he really enjoyed uh, running the car. And then to uh, the point, Scott Dixon was there on hand to help with some coaching, you know, and of course Chip was there as well as all the rest of the Ganassi crew. And they, they had, um, they all had a really good thing to say about Jimmy and his, his, um, his work ethic coming into the thing. You know, it was, this is, this was not a publicity stunt. This is this is a tryout. Jimmy is serious. He would like to run some road course races in the IndyCar series in the near future. And now, with the you know with the windscreen, he's backtracked a little bit on his decision that he doesn't want to do any ovals. You know, he said he's still got to convince the wife of that. Um, you know, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but uh, he's uh, he's gotten in that IndyCar, and I think he's he's got that bug now he's been wanting to do this for a while like you said he participated in the i race he was supposed to run at barber with the mclaren he's done a bunch of sim time um in the in the indycar sims in preparation for this so uh you know even at uh, how old is jimmy 44 45 he's running around up there i think what was he like 70 he was 76 or 78 the year he was born 77 Somewhere around there, it's in the same age range with Ryan Newman. Uh, yeah, 42. so he's roughly, yeah, he's roughly the same age as guys like Tony Kanan and Elio Castro Nevis, Dario Franchitti. All those guys are all born late seventies. So he's, uh, you know, he's no spring chicken, you know. But but like most race car drivers, um, he's very fit and he stays very active. Um, and, and he keeps his keeps his skills sharp. So, uh, you know, a lot of folks want to call him a has-been in NASCAR. Um, but but even if you look at his results on the track, which, he, he, he mind you, he hasn't won in quite some time. But he's I, I would say he's far, far from a has-been because he's, he's up there dicing near the front more often than he's not. So uh, Yeah, he's this, doing this, a lot better this year. He's having a good a year, yeah. Luck. 75, by the way. That was the year he was born. Oh, he's old. Check. So he's 45. Gonna be. So he'll 45. be 45 next month. Okay. Well, we'll have to make sure we remember to wish him a happy birthday next month. Um, so that being said, well, we're back to talking about we at least we have racing and racing with no fans versus racing with fans. So speaking of which, NASCAR was at New Hampshire with fans, and we saw the same sort of thing that we saw at Texas 
and at Charlotte where those fans seem to be spaced out nice and evenly evenly in the grandstands, um, which we would have seen in Indianapolis had things gone our way there. But uh, the uh, NASCAR guys put on a pretty fine show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Show. Um, if you ask me at New Hampshire, you know, a lot of their races lately since they've been experimenting with different aerodynamic packages have been hit and miss lately. And more often than not, some of these races have been a miss. Uh, but I would say New Hampshire was a hit. What do you say, fellas? I would say it was a hit. Uh maybe except for two drivers, but it was a hit overall. Uh, Kyle Busch had a pretty big hit as well. Yeah, Kyle yeah. Busch had a hit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Laps in. yeah. yeah Matt Kenseth had multiple bad oh, rush geez, that, to the point like, that Chet Austin yeah, is like, no longer the crew chief after yeah. all that. It was, uh, yeah, it was a strange one, that, but... Uh... So, so how does yeah, that work? That you like, say, okay. "Golly, I well, keep I keep hitting the wall. Fire the crew chief." Well, <laughs> honestly, for Kenseth, honestly for Kenseth, uh, it's been something that's been kind of ongoing since he took over the ride from Kyle Larson because he came out of the box with top ten, then outside top twenty five, outside top twenty, outside top twenty, a top fifteen, a top fifteen, a second place at Indy outside the top 20 ever since. So the performance really hasn't been there either. So I think New Hampshire was a little bit of uh, the last draw. So Yeah, it was the breaking point, yeah. But, you know, even when, when Larson was in that car, nobody ever accused uh, them of being very consistent. No, they were never consistent. I Just think saying, yeah, so, so maybe, maybe, maybe it is time, time for a change to see what, uh, see what some new blood can do with that car. Yep. I think hopefully it bodes well, but time is running out for Kenseth to have at least one true all-around glory as far as race performance-wise. Like, none of the strategy, none of all that outright performance, which he hasn't had. I know he finished second in Indy, but a lot of things came, fell into his favor over time. But we're talking about a whole big race. I hope that still happens. Maybe with a new cruise ship, something will change. But hopefully it's not like what we're seeing right now with Kansas because it's just been an absolute struggle for a team that before the pandemic, if I recall, wasn't in the top five in points or so. I think it was. And on top of that, he is also racing for his ride next year because right now the 42 would be a, one of the few open competitive seats aside from the 48. And is he really great? You know, does he really want to drive again next year? 
We'll yeah, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're talking about a guy who's already retired once. Yeah, I mean, so. well, maybe. But he, he didn't retire by choice, though. He didn't retire by choice. He got pushed out because of uh, lack of sponsorship. I'd be amazed if they offered him the road. I mean, they've got, you know, are they, what sort of, and I'm not being funny here against him, goodness me, he's a dumb sort of better driver than I am. But, you know, what example does it set, you know, to the team if they're trying to sign somebody who's already retired once? And they've got another, you know, they've already got an experienced driver there in the other, in the sister car. So, um, you know, I would have thought they'd look for somebody young and up and coming, like Bubba well, Wallace. Oh, which which oh. they are, they supposedly <laughs> are looking at Bubba, uh, especially because McDonald's is one of Bubba's sponsors and their main sponsor, or McDonald's main sponsorship deal is with Ganassi. So there has been talk this past week that Bubba might uh, be entertaining a, an offer with Ganassi. And he also has an offer which would include, I think, 20% ownership stake uh, at Richard Petty Motorsports as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that one seemed a little out of left field for me. Yeah, especially uh, because, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, if nothing else, Bubba's still a rather young guy on his way yeah. up, you know, and usually this this part ownership of a team is something that guys look into later in their career. Exactly. Yeah, he's not Marco he's, Andretti. These ex- days. Exactly. Yeah. Two two very good examples of guys. Yeah. But I, to me, that that one surprised me that we're looking at, you know, again, you know, Bubba's a young guy. Yeah, he's. He, he's he's in the news a lot, but to, you know, his at the end of the day, he doesn't have a ton of solid results behind him, and at least in cup. Uh, at least in, in, part, yeah, that's true. At least that, at least in cup, but and that's in part because of the equipment that Petty has had due to the lack of sponsorship that they have had. So, I it, basically, I look at it as Petty possibly trying to set up a marketing uh, plan based around Bubba for years to come, which might be why they offered him part ownership, because if he owns the team, he's not likely to leave. Certainly, yeah. But, I mean, again, like you say, Bubba is marketable uh, to a certain extent. Uh, he's Right now, he's a little controversial right now, but I think uh, at the end of the day, he's still he's still a marketable talent. Uh, and I think he attracts sponsors. I mean, you know, McDonald's isn't funneling money over there just for no reason. You know, they uh, they, they Same like with Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. Yeah, those, those are all, you know, high dollar companies. But, uh, you know, but if McDonald's consolidate their money and put Bubba Wallace in the 42, you know, poor old, now, you know, Richard Petty's now, out in the cold. So and, now and they, Go ahead. Hey, Bubba goes to the 42. Who goes to the 40 seed? Do you think a Ross Chastain or even a Clint Boer goes to the 43 by chance? Well, if it, if it's not them, the uh, I'll throw this wild card out there uh, because of Levine family racing shutting down. If you move Christopher Bell somewhere into Toyota camp because of his uh, deal with Toyota, he would either be bumping out Hamlin or Eric Jones. And it's obviously probably going to end up being Jones because I do not see how Hamlin gets pushed out considering he's having his best two years of his entire cup career. I I agree with that, but at the same time, if Hamlin can't win the championship uh, this year, 
similar to how Logano and Kozlowski and a few others over recent years and Harvick, how they were with the same team for almost a decade, if not uh, two decades, leaving, going somewhere else and finding success. All right. So, guys, Uh, real quick, we were talking about a race on an oval. But suddenly, we, we, suddenly we've gone on a road course because this conversation just took a bunch of left turns and right turns. I know, so, we but let's 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 get but let's get back to the race just for a moment uh, because we we didn't mention, of course, that the winner of the race was it's Brad. Ironic, we were all saying it was a good race, and then we didn't talk about. Well, yeah, we didn't even bother to tell you who won. So, but <laughs> but uh, no. So it was oh, at, really? the, at the end of the day, it was a nice battle between uh, Denny Hamlin and Brad Keselowski, with Brad Keselowski coming on top and leading the final eighty laps. Um, which after afterwards, um, Keselowski announced that he's signed a at least a one-year extension to stay in the number two um, car with Roger Penske next year, which is, which is great. It's a, I think, I think that's a great fit. It's a great home for Brad. I think he does a good job for them. I think that team um, gives him solid equipment week in and week out. Um, I'm, I'm quite happy with that, but that, that ends all the speculation for that seat. So, which, which can take us back to our other, <laughs> our other conversation about the open seats. Cause the other seat that I, keep hearing is open is going to be that that clinton boyer is going to be promoted from driver to working for the television and the 14 will be open are you, are you hearing the same thing i've heard that and i've heard that stewart has expressed uh interest in kyle larson i've also heard uh that that is the third team that entertained uh offers from as well uh, whether or not Bubba would be a good fit at Stuart Haas, I'm not sure. Uh, I do find it interesting, uh, or I wouldn't say interesting, but ironic either way. If Bubba ends up going into the 42 because of the reasoning of Larson being forced <laughs> out of that ride, or the fact that both Bubba and Larson are being entertained for the same ride. Right. So now, Richard, you're you're giggling in the background. So, uh, what are your thoughts on all of this that that uh, that you just can't resist laughing and wheezing over there? No, I just think that uh, you know, you you it just amazes me that um, you know, it's, there's still there's no obvious choice for some of these top seats, and you know, does that tell you something about the depth of you know the the, the NASCAR field? I mean. And also, maybe the, the the current setup of the sport. You know, you look at the forty eight as a prime example. You know, you look at um, you know some of the other racing series, some of the other big teams. You know, take Red Bull for example in Formula. They have guys stacked up waiting to join. You know, um, Hendrick, arguably in the last twenty years, the dominant team don't have somebody to fill the forty eight role. You know, obviously they're taking Chase Elliott. Because they've already Byron put all the young guys. They already put all the young yeah. guys in cars. Well, yeah. And to expand on this just a little bit, uh, there are some rides that they don't have, like Hendrick, like we're saying. Then there's some like Stuart Haas where they have more choices than some people realize yeah. because Chase Briscoe, with the number of races he's winning, uh, he had said before the year started he had to win eight races in order to move up uh, next year. He's already won five, and they're not even halfway into the experience schedule, if I remember correctly. 
So yeah, I mean, I think that says a lot about the depth of the Xfinity this year compared to what you've seen in previous years. That doesn't. Yeah. I don't think it's a, a. You know, you look at the rookie class this year; it's pretty strong compared to what you've seen in previous years, isn't that? And something else, uh, Brad resigning with uh, Penske implies that Austin Cindric will spend at least one more year in Xfinity, like how we had talked about a few weeks ago, saying that we thought he needed. Uh, one more year at least in Xfinity. Well, I mean, he's got a long way to go to get to the Indy 500, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, but it, it uh, but, but but if nothing else, I mean, Cedric is he's he's proving his worth. You know, again, that's that's one of the you know sometimes you know anybody who's got uh, you know a dad with connections sometimes is looked at under a microscope. You know, um, and, yeah. and some and some really possess the talents. You know, like a Michael Andretti and others, like a Marco Andretti, fail to live, live up to that. Um, Ooh. Well, I, it's hey, I mean, it is what it is. But I, I think that uh, uh, Austin Cindric, yeah, he got a he got a lucky win there when he uh, when when Kyle got disqualified. Uh, but he, he's had a couple of road courses on his own accord. There, he won uh, won the double headers at, at Kentucky Fair and Square. Um, I think he's driving smart. He's driving well. He's taking care of his equipment, and I think he's he's proving that you know once he gets to a cup seat, it it'll be a seat that he's earned, and not something that was handed to him because his dad is the president of Penske Motorsports. That my two cents. My two cents. Yeah. Agreed. We'll see how Ford's future in Xfinity is because right now it's just Cindric and Briscoe. One of them goes up. Who goes? And that ride, will there even be a 98 team or a Stuart Haas next year in Xfinity? Who knows? Yeah. So Ford is, kind of, Ford is in a big mystery. But well, as far as what they said this week from the Ford camp, they enjoy being in Xfinity series. And Well, let me throw this possibility out there. If Frisco moves up, there is a Ford pipeline uh, that has at least two young drivers in the truck series right now uh, in Todd Gilland and Ben Rhodes. Would one of them possibly move up? And if maybe if it's not Stuart Haas technically, uh, Ford, if it goes to, say, a front row motorsports Ford. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how about that, because Todd has been there. Ben Rhodes has been there for a long time. It's just a matter of how what Stewart, Tony Stewart sees in those guys. Because obviously Deegan is nowhere near ready. Tanner Gray isn't quite ready yet. He's just starting his national touring career this season. But other than that, who else would it bring? A Grant Enfinger, perhaps? I don't know. I don't know if Grant would want to move up, honestly. Uh, I, but then again, he's never he's only attempted one cup race in his career, and he failed to qualify for it. And that was so, almost a decade ago when that yeah. happened, when he was an unknown, period. Yeah. But uh, still, that it does leave a lot of questions. And speaking of the Xfinity series, uh, Louise, I know we were talking about before the show, uh, Alex LeBay's penalty, along with DGM Racing and Mario Goslin, um, they had the bright idea uh, – Clever in some senses, uh, kind of stupid in some others. Uh, they took their Xfinity Series car, uh, made the two adjustments they needed to make to it, uh, and entered it in the SCCA test on the Daytona road course. Uh, 
And they thought nobody would notice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that didn't that didn't last very long before a NASCAR official said, uh, I need to see you. My understanding is the my understanding is they made seven laps before NASCAR got to the track, or by the time NASCAR got to the track and made them park it. Yeah, it's a great yeah. idea to do testing where headquarters is right around yeah. the block. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to be fair, uh, DGM Racing, their headquarters is also right around the block. So, uh, DGM Racing is based in, I think, Port... Uh, I think Port... I, I forget the name of the town, but it's in Florida, and it's maybe five, ten minutes from the track. There's one, don't do. there's one there's one rule that you don't do in NASCAR, and that's make NASCAR look stupid. And they will, um, even if you haven't broken a rule, they'll find a rule pretty damn quick for you that you've broken, and they will. Really, now, you, know, you just just don't make you know that is that's a surefire way to uh, to get you know. Now get in trouble. I know. I know Mario Goslin and DGM are appealing. The penalty they ended up getting was 75 driver and owner points uh, and $50,000 uh, monetary what? fine. Uh, the driver points would drop Alex LeBay from 16th in points to 21st in points. He would go from being about 80 points out of the playoffs to almost 150 out. Uh, granted, there were two other teams also at Daytona that had entered uh, cars in the SCCA test. That being said, those two teams used older steel body cars, while DGM Racing used a current composite body car. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Had had these guys entered a you know the proper car for that test instead of trying to sneak their Xfinity car in, would they be okay? But obviously well, the answer is yes. You since you said two other teams did that. Yeah, you can run a must and be okay. Well, I was gonna say there's a photo online. Uh, one of the SCCA racers had taken a photo. It's his Mazda, and then you see two what look like Xfinity cars next to his Mazda. But you can tell they're the older steel body cars because they don't have the honeycomb uh, on or in certain areas, or the uh, spoiler, or, uh, Richard, you know what I'm talking about, uh, yeah, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't, it doesn't have the identifying the, markings that's you see, a that's the stupid car. thing. I mean, you could take an Xfinity chassis and turn it into a school bus and run it around there, and you'd learn a hell of a lot. Because, you know, a road course is all about, you know, your vehicle setup, you know, your suspension geometry and all that sort of thing. Not really aero, because the aero on these cars is set up for an oval in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, you, you offset some of the skew, but the cars still will naturally crab to the left, even on a road course, because of just the fundamentals of how they're built. But, um, yeah, that's really – I mean, I say, you could have put whatever body you wanted on that. Yeah, maybe you'd lose a little bit of lap time, but you'd learn. you still learn a huge amount from your suspension geometry and your, your car setup and your ride and your handling. It's if they're going to go to all that trouble, then they deserve it. Now, the one other thing I do want to mention in all of this, they were not running the road course with the added chicane that they're going to have next week. They were running the it's normal better. Daytona road course. 
If you're gonna cheat, at least cheat properly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so hey guys, let's move on. I, we're, so we're at uh, is it Michigan this coming weekend? Yes, uh, five five races, right? Total uh, two cup, Xfinity, and a. Actually, at Michigan there's four, and Xfinity is at Road America. Oh, nice. Are we going to have fans at either of those races or both of those races? None or, at Michigan. I don't know about Road America. Well, Road I America ran IndyCar are, with fans, and they just yeah. ran IMSA with fans, so I'm pretty sure um, Road America will have some fans there for their Xfinity weekend. Let's just say no to spite NASCAR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I, I mean, at the, at the end, at the end of the day, the um, Xfinity cars at Road America is one of my favorite events of the year. Um, I, 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 I do enjoy the show those guys put on at Road America, so that'll be that'll be fun to watch this weekend. So we got two Cup races in Michigan. Um, are they they a day apart or or is it a Wednesday Sunday thing? It, uh, they're a day apart, Saturday and Sunday. Wait, there's a race going on right now. Oh man, I gotta. I just, I, <laughs> Louise, I can't keep up with NASCAR schedule right now with the Wednesday races. Oh, and, you know, know. So. <laughs> there's no more, there's no more midweek racing for now. That's okay. All I good, know. good to know. Okay, so let's uh, let's pick a let's pick us two winners apiece for Michigan. Um, and I'll go first. I'll go ahead and say um, Brad takes one of those. So that's his home home turf, home track, baby. He's on a roll. Happy with that new contract. Driving without that monkey on his back, he's going to take one, and Kevin Harvick takes the other. I'm going to go with Logano and Blaney in that order. All right, Seth? I'm going to go with Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch. Yes, Kyle gets the monkey off his back, but only in the second race because the first race will therefore be his practice session. <laughs> ah, yes, because Kyle needs the practice. We all know that. So, And Richard, oh, got, yeah. Richard, Michigan? Oh, uh, Blaney. And where's, where's Kyle Larson when you need him? He's showing for one of those two. He's uh, running sprint there. cars, wanting, winning uh, 20, yeah. 30 races a week, yeah. Yeah, so, he has a so... 1.8 average finish in sprint yeah. cars. Yeah, he's back to so, his roots. Yeah. He's Blaney the ringer. And Bowman. Let's throw Alex Bowman in there. Blaney and Bowman. All right. There you go. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, Richard, Formula One was in your yeah. home country uh, at Silverstone mm-hmm. this weekend. And we're at Silverstone again uh, this coming weekend. Yep. This, this yeah, yeah. past weekend was the British Grand Prix. The next Correct. race yep. is the, are we calling it the, the 70th, 70th, anniversary. 70th anniversary. And I've seen some yep. really neat graphics and posters uh, promoting that race, they've got uh, yeah. one poster for each decade from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and, yep. and so on. And a really, really nice job of promoting that. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I d- heard the British Grand Prix described as 51 formation laps and one lap of chaos. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Richard, I'll let you, I'll let you take, us, take it through us because, by gosh, we have some drama at the end. I think we had some drama in the middle of the week, didn't we, with Sergio Perez uh, being quarantined uh, back in Mexico, I think, or not, at least not allowed to race. I don't know if he'd, he'd actually travel back from Mexico with uh, you know the COVID-19 infection. So, uh, you know, Hulkenberg, just out of left field, suddenly got a call. He was supposed to be testing out the Nürburgring. 
got a call from uh, Otmar Schaffenau, I think he's never could never pronounce the guy's name. Otmar is anyway uh, on the uh, on the Thursday evening saying, "Hey, do you want to come and race a Formula One car this weekend?" Then was at Silverstone pretty sh- shortly afterwards and uh, was racing out there. So uh, you know he, he looked pretty good in practice and qualifying. You know he didn't didn't show himself up. Unfortunately, had a, a bolt head shear off. And the car wouldn't start on Sunday morning, so he never got to race, which is a real shame. Hopefully, he'll be back in the car this weekend if uh, Perez hasn't been cleared. And he can actually get some laps under his belt and show what the guy's careful of, because he certainly deserves it. So, um, let, me, let me just ask you this weird question, because it just yeah. popped in my head, and I didn't, I didn't notice it, okay? Um, Formula One drivers all have their own particular car number that is assigned and associated with, with the driver. Formula One did this a couple Correct. of years ago. So did they, did they put the, the number 27 on the, the car? That, they did. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. I was just wondering yeah. in a substitution so situation. I think it's I, – I can't remember. I think it's two or three years after the number was last used, it can go back into circulation. And right. I no, I just was wondering if you got to yeah. you know put your own number yeah, on the no, car you did, if you yeah. were substituting you did, it. Yeah. So. yeah, the graphics guy – Racing Point must have been loving that on Friday morning. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we've recycled the number yet. Uh, but no. So um, you know, there's one thing Silverstone is, and that is hard on tyres. It always has been, always will be. You know, the nature of the track, high speed, high G. You know, you look at that the Maggots Beckett's uh, you know section there. You know, very high lateral load through the tyre, and even, even, you know, Cops as well, and Stowe, you know, a lot of very fast, flowing, sweeping corners, they are high load on the tyres. And um, we saw, you know, a couple of safety cars early on in the race, around about lap, there was, there was one off at the end of the first lap when uh, Magnussen got out of shape in the Vale chicane, and uh, Alex Albon, you know, he put his nose in there, and Magnussen was still trying to get his car in a straight line and they contacted and Magnus hit the wall pretty hard for a relatively slow corner, uh, which brought the first safety car out. And then a few laps after that, Danny Kvyat had a massive accident uh, in the Beckett's, Maggots Beckett section where uh, I, I think at first he thought it was his own fault, but he had a right rear um, wheel failure. Uh, which pitched him into the wall at very, very high speed. And, uh, you know, that brought out another safety car. And on that safety car, I think it was around about lap 12, 13, um, the teams decided to uh, to pit and go onto the hard tyre, which was the, the best race tyre. Now, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the numbers here off the top of my head. Pirelli said the tyres were good for 40 laps, but the teams tried to push them for 45. And... You know, Mercedes just pushed the tyres too hard. And, and throughout the race, um, you know, you saw that, you know, Bottas kept Hamilton honest to a certain extent. You know, he'd get to within that sort of second, second and a half gap. And then Hamilton had put in a couple of fast laps to open the gap up again. And, he's, you know, the accordion effect over, you know, 20 laps or so. So, you know, these guys were pushing the car hard. And then... Throughout the last 10, 15 laps, uh, Bottas was coming on the radio saying he's feeling a vibration. It's not a flat spot, but he's certainly got a vibration coming from the left. And you could see on the onboard TV coverage that that front left was looking angry. You know, it was blistering up. It was, um, you know, you could see that there was big chunks flying off it at times and uh, under these high loads. And, you know, that's not looking too happy. 
Um, and then, yeah, with, with three laps to go, the tyre delaminated and the, the, the wall or the, the, the transition from the wall to the tread of the tyre failed and um, he has to come into pit. You know, and that happened literally as he was going across the start finish line. So he had, you know, almost a whole lap to run on three tyres. And, uh, yeah, he ended up dropping down and finishing outside the point. So at this point, Red Bull are like, well, OK, you know, we can pit. We'll come out ahead of Leclerc, who was then inherited third, and we can go and get the fastest lap. So that's what Red Bull did. Unbeknown to them, Hamilton has exactly the same tyre failure as um, Bottas on the last lap. And he's around the old Luffield section, so he's probably got two-thirds of the lap to do on three tyres. And he gets up to some ridiculous speed on hangar straight. I think he got like 150 miles an hour or whatever it was on three tyres going down the hangar straight. So the um, so it's just purely a, a, a story, really, of tyre mismanagement. Um, you know, people pointing fingers at Pirelli. And it's like, well, you know, Pirelli did nothing wrong. You know, no. they spec the tyre. They told them how good it was, how long the life was. And there's other combinations of factors here. There's camber, there's toe, there's pressures. Lots of other things here which go into, um, you know, taking effect here. But... Both both Mercedes, uh, you know, pushed the tyres too hard and they failed. And I think Science had a similar failure as well. So I don't put any blame on Pirelli there. It's it's purely down to the teams not heeding the advice that the tyre manufacturer gave. Well, uh, I was actually reading a story yesterday uh, in which one of the Pirelli bosses was quoted as saying that these were the most extreme forces that a an mm-hmm. F1 tire has ever been exposed to. And yeah. I remember sitting there thinking that the 2005 U.S. Grand Prix in Michelin would like to have a word with him. Well, that one wasn't necessarily the loading. That was the extremely abrasive nature of the track surface, which, but, now if I remember but rightly... At the, but at the same time, what where I'm trying to go with it is... You had only a handful of tires fail uh, at the British Grand Prix versus yeah. an entire, almost an entire series not being able to race because they misjudged the uh, surface. Now, Frank, you probably know this better than I do with you know uh, Indy, but if I remember rightly, before that USGP in 2005, the track had been resurfaced and Bridgestone knew about it yeah, and took a different compound tire, whereas Michelin didn't know that the track had been resurfaced. Yeah, I think so re- the really this year's tire. Yeah, the, the fault of that really, really falls on, on Michelin, and, and yeah, yeah it, it's sad that Michelin was supplying more than half the field at the time, and I really feel bad for those folks in the stands, myself included, because I was there that day. When we only had uh, what six or six or seven cars on the grid, yeah, yeah. So, um, but we all got our money back, which was nice, and <laughs> you know, at the, well, also don't forget, is it like Bridgestone and Firestone the same thing, just from different yeah, same yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the same. They're yeah. the same parent company. And speaking of Firestone, okay, um, I'm just gonna throw this out there that uh, this couple days ago, um, August third, nineteen hundred was the day Firestone Tire and Rubber Company was founded. So Firestone is celebrating uh, uh, 120 years of, uh, of being a company and making tires. And I just thought that was pretty neat. You know, in, in the midst of all this pandemic stuff, uh, pretty big milestone for uh, for a company who's uh, 
you know, been, they've been in, in, in motorsports on and off, um, but their association with the Indy 500, you know, with a few gaps, uh, you know, particularly like through the 80s and whatnot, they, they were the, the tire on the very first Indy 500 winner, and, and they're the they're probably the most vital and valued partner to the series right now. So I just, 120 years, that's, uh, that's pretty good stuff for a company. Speaking of Firestone, as long as we're talking about tires blowing up, and Richard, you're <laughs> laughing again, so. Yeah, no, no, it's true. But, it's but, true. but no. back, to, back to Pirelli, okay? So now we're, yep. we're going right back to Silverstone. Um, and you've got – I was looking at the pit stop numbers, okay? you got got Hamilton who uh, limped to the win with uh, with the shredding tire who had made one pit stop. Um, do you think Formula 1 will jump in and mandate shorter <laughs> shorter pit windows and say you need it to do at least two stops? Or, well, or are they going to take more of a hands-off and let the teams try to – Fend for themselves. I know they're taking different tire compounds to Silverstone this weekend deliberately because, you know, they you know, teams learned so much about them last weekend. They don't want to, you know, make the, the racing even even more processional. But uh, they uh, so they are going with a softer set of tires. Uh, that I mean, ironically, the, the white hard tire that they had at uh, Silverstone this last week was the hardest tire they have available to them. Uh, in, in the six-tire range, so I think they're going down two, at least one step, maybe even two. Okay, so so, so by bringing a, a softer tire, that essentially forces two stops. Forces yeah. two yeah, stops means, because they you'll just lose the grip. Yeah, yeah I got no you. way you're going to do one stop. No way anybody's going to be able to do one stop this weekend, which is good. I, yeah, I, I mean that that works. I, I find that to be an acceptable yeah. solution. Yeah, I don't, I don't personally don't like these one-stop races. I know that, you know, I mean, if they didn't have this rule where you had to use two compounds, they wouldn't do any stops, you know, and then it just become pure tire management. I think you need to have, I know, now I don't say you want to go back to, was it 2012 when you're having four-stop races and it just became a lottery, but I think, you know, somewhere between a two and a three-stop race, I think, you know, creates that bit of excitement and, you know, allows the driver to push reasonably hard. Um, it's uh, you know it, 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 it creates another variable if you like that we don't always get to see because these one-stop races where you know it's a 50-lap race they start on the soft tire lap 10 they get you know pit from soft onto hard and that's it race over you know a whole station for the next 40 laps isn't really great for the sport. Right, right, yeah. So uh, yeah, but I mean at the end of the day though, uh, you know Pirelli, Pirelli rather Pirelli is rarely thrown under the bus. Uh, for for an yeah, inferior I mean, product, yeah. For, for the most part, yeah. For the most part, Pirelli brings ago, a pretty pretty damn good product oh, yeah. uh, to the teams, yeah. So yeah. So they're they're, they're allowed one miscue for the week. But again, it wasn't even their fault. It wasn't even their fault. Yeah, they they, they, they told the teams, know. yeah. So yeah. What are you I gonna mean, do? Like, you know, don't play on the train tracks, and when you play on the train tracks, what happens? You run over by a train. By a train. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jeez, who would imagine that? <laughs> so, uh, do we have any word on um, uh, Perez? Is he going to be back for the second race, or, I don't think or is that he still is. up Purely in the air? Based on, based on the government's travel policies in the UK, I don't think he can travel. So, by yes. sounds of that, he's not in the UK. I think he's still in Mexico. So, is Mexico? I don't know. But so, so is Hulkenberg to... still in the still in the frame for that so, ride? Yeah. Okay. I'd well. And there's also something going around that Paul the rest of it's on reserve for McLaren just in case 
either well, Norris or Sainz. Yeah, that was a weird. I saw that news story today, and reading it is a non-story because all it's saying is that McLaren have an agreement with Mercedes, as Force India do. Oh, sorry, geez, Racing Point do that. Um, Stoffel van Dorn and Esteban Gutierrez are the two reserve drivers for Mercedes. Now, van Dorn's in uh, Berlin. Berlin for the Formula E, and it just said Gutierrez is unavailable. So He doesn't have super license He doesn't points. have two, yeah. Oh, okay. So he there doesn't you go. have his super license. So it's like, license, well, they so. need somebody who does, and Paul is going to be there because he's doing his Sky TV work in the UK, and all he had to do was go to McLaren and get a seat fit. You know, that was the most non-story. I think yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it's just precautionary to make sure you have a backup guy just in case. Exactly. You know, it's I mean, just, it's just find, I mean, worst case scenario planning, you know. Websites. It was like, I mean, I was thinking, oh, maybe, you know, Lando or Carlos has missed a test or have come back with a inconclusive test result. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, no. Not interesting at yeah, all. It's it's just Norris. like saying Bob turned up to work this week or something. You know, it was like yeah. Okay. yeah. So so let's talk about Kimi Raikkonen, who's announced his retirement. Again, that's news to me. Nope. Nope. That's news. That's I swear I, re- to me. I swear I read that yesterday. Kimi's going to retire at the end of this year. Hmm. Hmm. Not that on any of these. Motorsport. Um, I haven't heard of that. Even this gloomy Tuesday was with all the Indy 500 stuff and whatnot. <laughs> I did not see anything related to Raikkonen. No. If anything, Lewis Hamilton winning on three wheels was probably probably will be his iconic, legendary moment when it comes to the highlight reels. Because uh, when I look at all-time greats in motor racing, there's always that one highlight reel that people will remember them by. I feel like. That one could be it, along with Interlagos 08, but this one, this past Sunday, was all on his own compared to assistance from others, Timo Glock. Okay, so, so, so <laughs> I'm just trying to find the news story, so, and I, I, I think it is just a sensationalist headline. Um, yeah, so maybe that story doesn't have legs, so. Um, For now. For now, I mean, yeah, I was like, I don't know. At some point, but, you know, I don't think this year. I, I guess Kimmy's comment was, it's more like a hobby for me, so obviously I don't need to do it if I don't want to. Um, what's rather music? His radio was great on the weekend, wasn't it? I don't know if you heard it, like, when he was like, that box, box, box. No, no, stay out, stay out. It's like, well, it's a bit too <clears throat> late for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess I just uh, was... Uh, sleepy and ran reading news stories and come across one that was just because you know every i mean it's not a secret that occasionally somebody will put a sensationalist headline that may be misleading on a news story but uh so uh, i mean that doesn't mean kimmy is back for next year or not back for next year but uh no he hasn't announced anything officially so my bad so uh so let's talk about um next week at silverstone we're there again Anybody care to pick Lewis Hamilton to win, or, or to, to pick a winner, rather? I think we're stepping could get something done. I won't beat you off with surprise if he breaks the Mercedes stranglehold that has defined the last several years. I mean, that would have to be due to an issue with Mercedes. That's certainly not going to be... Uh, that or, uh, that or <laughs> maybe, we'll get, maybe we'll get some weather to uh, play a role uh, in... I, I so. mean... I don't know. 
that that's the only way I could see it happening. Yeah. I yeah, you gotta say yeah. I think the only people that can beat Mercedes is Mercedes. Mercedes, yeah. Yep. So if they if if they have a couple of horrible miscues or some uh some some bad strategy, um, that that could open a door for somebody like a Max Verstappen to or tire sneak problems in there or, or tire problems, yeah. But uh, or maybe even Leclerc. But I think uh, I think Vettel is so uh, <laughs> Vettel oh, so Vettel's far. See, yeah, he's, so we uh, can so we can say so we can say a little bit more confidently that. They could go undefeated this season, Mercedes. I mean, that. Yeah, I, I'm not ready to say that because it, it depends on. I, I mean, they've gone I, through I just, every kind I, of track, haven't they? You know, there's, there's no extreme oh, tracks this year, so there's no Monaco, there's no Singapore, which is there's no being their weaker track. You know, they've been fast around Silverstone, which is a high-speed track, as you know, similar to a Spa or a Monza. They've been well, fast around uh, Austria, which is a point-and-shoot track, and they've been what about, fast around Hungary, which is a slow track. What about Miguelo, since they wouldn't have any data there? Uh, they'll have data. They'll find some. I mean, uh, outside that, the only the way Algarve I could... As well, the as... In the Algarve. But again, this is my point that I've said this so many times. Everybody talks about, oh, you create variables and, you know, it gives the smaller teams a chance. No, it doesn't. It means that the teams with the most money can do the most simulation. Mercedes will know their setup for Mugello and Portimao, or whatever it's called, the one in the Algarve. They'll know their setup now. They'll have run thousands of lap simulations of that place already. And they'll be within a single-digit percentage of setup configuration before they even get there. Now, maybe normally they're within less than 2% setup configuration when they get to a track. So maybe there'll be a little bit more work than to do on a Friday for those places. But they'll, they'll be more dominant, I'd say, going there than they would be to a normal track because of the resources they have available to them to do the simulation work. And outside of the fact that those are new tracks, the only way I could see uh, Mercedes not winning is if they get caught out uh, due to weather, uh, maybe misjudging. Yeah when the weather is going to get there. That's the only yeah. other way I could see them not winning the entire season. Yeah. Okay, so no, has, be... this is an interesting trivia question, okay? So has any team gone undefeated in Formula 1 before? I, I want to say no. M- McLaren, no. M- McLaren claimed, came very close, and the, the, they, they won 15 yeah. and 16, the but Ferrari won, Ferrari won in Italy, but... Uh, was there a season in the in the late fifties where? I don't think so. Where, Nobody's where... gone undefeated. The closest one was definitely McLaren until John Luis Lesher decided to. Well, it was fifty percent Senna and fifty percent Schlesher that led to them to a Ferrari sweep in '88 and Monza. But as far as Ferrari, I could have swore McLaren might have won some of those, maybe one or two, but. I feel like the way things are going right well, now, it's well, possible. Here, well, here's a question I have then uh, about this trivia question. Because like you said, in the 50s, w- in the 50s, technically speaking, Indianapolis was uh, a championship yeah. event, but it also wasn't. It, it, am I right? Yes, yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's the rub it, there. Cause it, it, if you look it, at the 1950 season, right? All the races were won by Giuseppe Farina 
and Fangio, and they they were they were teammates. However, Johnny Parsons won the Indy 500, which is a points-paying race towards the championship. But however, all the Grand Prix were won by the same team. And uh, similar story in '52. Uh, outside of Indy, they were all won by Ferrari, whether it was uh, Ascari or uh, Rufi. I'm looking at the stats right now. Right, right. So yeah, like, like I say, you got that they throw those Indy 500 winners in as, but but yeah. but there were. But also, you got to look. You know, it also also you look at the. The World Championships from the, the early 50s was like eight races or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Weren't, you know, what you'd consider to be the series that you have today. You know, well, that's, 15, that's the interesting thing. Those, those guys would race 17, 18, 19 times a year, but only like eight would count towards the World Championship. Yeah. Which was, I don't know what um, the criteria was at the time for deciding, well, this is a, a, a World Championship race and this is just a trophy race. So, But, uh, yeah. you know, different di- different times... Uh, but I mean, Mercedes could certainly set a a record that will stand for a long time if they truly win every race this and year. And it would be a shame, in a way, if they did this season because, you know, in fifty years' time, every sport—we're not just talking motorsport here—but every single sport, there'll always be a little asterisk next to this season, won't there? Yep, like the you Patriots. Know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. I think. I think there will be a, even with NASCAR, especially because of doubleheader weekends. Uh, yeah. The and how they even throw in uh, the Daytona Road Course because it wasn't a race that was originally on the schedule. Well, uh, plus the fact that there was no practice or qualifying, which yep. sort of uh, changed the game a bit, I guess. Right? But yeah, I mean, it's, so, it's unprecedented. Sorry, we've obviously got Kyle Busch's PR representative on. The <laughs> Uh, Anyways, at least Arca got qualified. Oh wait, wrong sanctioning body. Yeah, no, yeah. Arca is owned by NASCAR. Though. I know that. I but, know uh, that. But and they don't have wrong... qualifying every week either. Well, well, I know for well, I'm talking about regionals. They have qualifying. It's it's all they have is qualifying, and then they race, and then they pack up and go home immediately after. Mostly. All right. So, but yeah. So guys, we so we are out of time. So uh, so this weekend you can tune into the 70th anniversary Grand Prix in Silverstone, and you can watch a couple of Cup races at Michigan as well as uh, Xfinity out there in Road America, and I have the trucks for Michigan as well, right? Yes. And ARCA. Yes. And and the Indy cars will be preparing to get ready for um, practice in Indianapolis. The track opens on August 12th. Uh, for practice, and Fernando Alonso is uh, made his plane trip over. He's on the ground in Indianapolis, and he's there and ready to go uh, for you international folks um, that are interested. Um, but we are out of time, so I want to thank you, Louise, Seth, Richard. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and Google Podcasts. I want to thank all you folks who listen to us. Until next week, good night. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 